Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Short, so glad to have you along with us today as we get into the Word and talk about it. However, today's going to be a little bit different than normal because we're not starting off with a Bible verse and we're going to talk more about how things can apply to our life in a story. It's a very personal story for us. So it's a little bit different today. I'd like to share a two-part series about a Christmas we had way back in 2004. Now, to set this up a little bit, you've got to understand our pastor. Our pastor would, uh, at Christmas time, it was always a great time for me. I'm a cheerful, upbeat, positive person. Christmas, I have sweet memories of it. We always wanted to have it a great time. But it seems like our pastor would often at Christmas time, you know, the weeks preceding or Christmas Eve, he would talk about how Christmas is for many people a sad, difficult, hard time. And, and, uh, and, and he would always want to address them. He had a pastor's heart, a very empathetic, caring person. And I would often think, come on, let us have fun. Let us enjoy this time. Let us, let us be uppy. Why do you, why so melancholy during this time of year? And I would sometimes be, uh, maybe even a bit judgmental of him and, and, um, and, and just wish that we could just be positive and so forth. That's how I am. That's kind of my nature. That's how God's made me, shall we be, shall we say. And then we had a year where I understood why that happens. And I address this message to people who maybe have a tough time at Christmas, or maybe those of us who, who maybe if you're not, to understand others who are going through a tough time and why sometimes that empathy is really a good thing. It was the Christmas of 2004, and we have to step back a few months and talk about the fall because as I began my fall tour, and as you know, I travel on campuses, and during the fall months, I'm out of town quite a bit. I'm on campuses all over America quite a bit. And my wife was beginning to develop some digestive issues. Now, she has celiac. And, and 15 years prior to this, or 14 or whatever years prior to this, she'd been very, very ill, hospitalized with celiac. This was back in the days before they understood it quite the way they do now and, and realize, didn't realize all the foods that gluten uh, that contain gluten. So it was a big struggle and really difficult to overcome. She was hospitalized for quite some, for you know, a period of time. And sometimes, you know, if she has some digestive issues, we just think, well, she ate something that had a little gluten in it. And, uh, and it can be a little upsetting to her system for a while. And that's all we figured was maybe going on here in the fall. And she, you know, had gotten some gluten and just was having a few digestive issues. She held on fine through the whole fall semester as I was out, as I was gone quite a bit. But once my fall, my tour ended, which is usually right the week before Thanksgiving, things began to deteriorate pretty quickly. She went downhill fast. And it went from something of digestive issues that's troublesome and bothersome and, and inconvenient to something that began to reach crisis, began to be where she was bedridden. And we, need, we, had, to, we had to get into a gastroenterologist quickly. The ones we were calling couldn't see us for a couple of weeks, and we thought, this is really serious. Fortunately, we had a doctor friend who was called a friend of his, and, and he got us in quickly, and they were quite alarmed and began to uh, subs- prescribe different medicines. My recollection of those days was she was, Roz was now bedridden, 
and uh, very weak. And we would call the doctor and explain things, and he'd call in a prescription. I just remember at one point going to the pharmacy, literally, are you ready? This this was back in 2004, going to the pharmacy and, and, and a drug that was hundreds of dollars that was prescribed. And we came home and gave it to her, and, and the response, she had a very adverse reaction to it. First time she took one pill, called the doctor up and said, get rid of those. Let me write a different prescription. And that one was hundreds of dollars. And I'm thinking, you know, you're going to, at this point, we're desperate. You want to do anything. But, but going to the pharmacy, I just remember going to the pharmacy and, okay, that's like $1,000 there in the last 24 hours, and it's not working. So she was soon hospitalized and soon figured we can have to figure what's out, what's going on here. And they couldn't. And the doctors were baffled. And she was just, Rob was getting weaker and weaker. And um, they didn't know what to do. Well, the story isn't really so much about her. I want to tell it, it's a little, really a little bit more about me and what God was doing in my life during this time. She's the one that God was using. And obviously, there's great things going on in her life. But what I'm telling is a story that has to do more with me. And with what God, some things God taught me about compassion and empathy during this time. So Roz is in the hospital, and what am I doing? Well, Thanksgiving is usually my favorite thing, holiday because it marks the end of being on the road quite a bit. And now I'm home enjoying the family time and the holiday season. And this gets into, you know, where there's parties and there's fun times and there's, uh, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the shopping. I enjoy the, the cookies I enjoy all this whole season, but uh, that wasn't happening. Again, Roz is in the hospital. During this time, I've got my responsibilities. I've got uh, year-end responsibilities with our ministry. I was leading our college group at the time and had a lot going on then, and we have five children. Our children at this time were ages 26, 24, 21, 19, and 16. I'm trying to remember. The 16-year-old was definitely still at home. The 19-year-old might have been. The other three were out of the house by this time. So what was my day like? Well, I'd get up in the morning, make sure I got the one to school on time, had to get him to school. I'd pitter-patter around trying to get my stuff during the day, done during the day, but my mind was now elsewhere. And uh, it was hard to be productive during the days, but I had responsibilities and I would get them done, get my son home from school, give him some money to go to Taco Bell or Subway or wherever he wanted to do to feed himself. And by late afternoon, dinner time or so, I would head to the hospital and I would spend my evenings, I would spend at the hospital night after night after night. And this would be uh, from about five or 530. I would often remember walking to the hospital. Hospitals are lonely places. And if you get to know your way around them, you understand where different hallways are and the stairways, and you, you, you feel like this, you know your way around, that tells you you've been at it too long. And I knew my way around this hospital. I knew where to go for things, and, and, and I knew the, the, the consent. I, I just knew my way around because I was spending a lot of time there every evening. Now, during this time, Roz wasn't, wasn't able to really communicate much. She was exhausted, worn out, uh, bedridden. She, she was just needing rest and sleep. But what I would do is be there and often just sit in the room with her. Sometimes I would nap. Sometimes I'd read a book. 
Sometimes we would talk, although again, it was hard to talk much because just she was so exhausted and worn out. I remember a couple of things during this time. A big, big memory with me was our student group Christmas party. Big event for our, our group. There'd been a lot of planning going into it. We were inviting a lot of people, looking to have a lot of fun. I remember going out and wanting to visit with Ross before the party. And and um, as time came on, it was the party was going to start at 7, and I was there at 4, and then 5, and 6, 6.30, 7, 7.30. And she said, aren't you going to the party? And the truth is, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go have fun. I wasn't enjoying it. I, I, was, I was sad. I, I was, how could I go enjoy the party? It, it just wasn't there. I didn't feel like it. And I remember Roz was so grateful that I stayed with her and showed her that we didn't have anything to talk about. She, again, she was too weak. She was too, um, uh, and I was too weak. We just, it was just a presence. There wasn't much conversation, just being in the same room together meant the world to her. And the truth is, she was glad I stayed. The truth is, I didn't want to go. Why? Because I wasn't happy. Life was tough at this time. My wife was sitting there and I figured, what's going to happen? Is she going to make it? How, what's, you know, you have all these fears during this time, all these concerns of what can happen. I became increasingly convinced the doctors didn't know what they were doing. And I learned something about medicine at this time. And that is, it's, it's not like fixing a computer. Human beings are not machines. We're extremely complicated. When we're ill or sick, there's a lot of different things going on. And to think that there's one simple answer and the doctor always knows that can write a figure it out quickly, not always the case. Some things are really hard to figure out. And Ross was going through a really hard, she had a sickness, really hard to figure out. I was losing my faith, shall we say, in the doctor, even my faith in hospitals and medicine. I wanted Roz to come home. And she was, uh, she didn't like being there either. The smells was beginning to bother her. The sm- I won't go into the details, but her room, you know, I won't go into the details. She was beginning to want it, to leave too. Finally, I remember talking to the doctor and, and uh, they tried different tests. They'd had an operation. They'd removed her gallbladder. They'd given her all these prescriptions. They'd had a psychologist come talk to her, all these things. Nothing was making progress. Nothing was working. And she was losing hope. I was losing hope. And I finally remember one. It's a Friday evening. The doctor came by for his call. It was like 11 o'clock. And we said, we want to go home. And I remember his words to me saying, well, at this point, there's nothing more I can do for you. If you want to go home, that's fine. I look back now and I realize he was maybe sending her home to die because he was giving up, basically. And he didn't tell us that. But I look back and I think that must have been on his mind. Well, we checked out that night about midnight. We went home. And by the way, I will say that with the kids at this time, I basically gave them money to feed themselves. And we'd said, we're going to cancel Christmas this year. No gifts. I'll give you money. You go buy something for yourself. But I, we're just too stressed out. We just got too much going on. To, we, we just can't do it. I'll give you money. You go enjoy yourself. We'll be together on Christmas Day, but that'll be it. I remember walking into our home about 12.30 in the morning that day, that Friday night when Roz was released, and lo and behold, my kids had gone out and bought a tree and were decorating it. And when we walked in about 12.30, they were decorating the tree. 
I don't think Rawls was able to walk at the time. I believe I carried her in. Maybe, maybe she, maybe I helped her. I can't remember, but I sat her on the couch and I sat there and the kids decorated the tree until like two in the morning. That night she took a shower and felt clean and felt good and, and had clean smells in our room. And for the first time, good smells that we brought into the room. And I remember Ross feeling, I remember me feeling, this is the happiest night of my life. I really felt that. I thought Ross is going to get better. She's, she's going to, this is going to get over. This nightmare, this health crisis is going to be over and she's going to get better. We've got her out of that hospital. We've got her home where she belongs. She's in her own bed. It, the, it's going to get better. And the kids decorating the tree, it, it, it turned from a long, a, 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 when I say long-term, weeks of sadness into hope and happiness. But let me tell you, that went from that night feeling one of the happiest of my night, my life, to the next morning being maybe the lowest point that I can ever remember. It a crisis happened the next morning. I'm going to tell you about that tomorrow in our daily word and prayer and how God sent three wise women. You know, three wise kings came to visit Jesus. God sent three wise women to minister to me in this time of real sadness, crisis, and pain that turned our Christmas pain into a Christmas miracle. That'll be tomorrow. But what am I sharing now? If you know people, or if you're having a hard time, um, this was our hard time. I appreciate those pastors who are empathetic towards those who are suffering or lonely or feeling lost or going through hard times. It struck me as we drove by that hospital. Every time I drive by that hospital, I realize Christmas time, we take off a few days of vacation. We're home with family. But illness doesn't take a vacation just because it's Christmas. Crises don't take a vacation. Just they don't, Our bodies don't realize what's going on. And if there's a problem, and as I drive by those hospitals, and I remember now a hospital is a lonely place to be at Christmas time. A lonely place to be. If you know people who are suffering, I hope you have empathy for them. And I hope maybe this story has helped you realize how God taught me to have a, a bit more empathy for those who are suffering during this time. Now, I realize today's been a little bit different story than normal, a little bit different time than normal. If you're new, here's what we, we usually talk about the word and pray about it. And it's usually, it's not just a story about me, it's a teaching right out of the Bible. But I wanted to share this. And tomorrow, uh, today may be a little bit of a downer to empathize with. Tomorrow's going to be a time of encouragement. You'll see God sent some real miracles. And if you're having, if you know someone struggling during this time, I hope you'll tune in tomorrow and hear those answers. Father in heaven, I pray for each one of us to have grace, empathy, mercy, compassion, kindness towards those who are struggling or having tough times especially at this time of year. We thank you that this is what you're like. You're not just a God who's efficient and gets everything done. You're a God of, of kindness and mercy. Indeed, your loving kindness never fails. And indeed, Father, often your love and your kindness and your mercy is experienced during our times of deepest need. And so I pray today for that we would show that, and I pray today for anyone suffering and in tough times 
or health or a loss or or just depressed or discouraged during these days, that they might find comfort from you, the God of all comfort. We pray and we bless you for that you're a real God. You're near to the brokenhearted. You're near to us in our time of need. We bless you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Hey, thanks for joining me today. I hope you tune in tomorrow. Today's set up tomorrow's miracle. And so you can join us if you're new, subscribe and come back tomorrow. We're here at 8.30 a.m. live, or you can watch any time of the day, or even listen to Spotify, uh, the, the uh, uh, podcast on the Apple, Spotify, or Google platform. Okay? I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. God bless you. Bye-bye.